Welcome to the After Chat. I'm Michael. I'm Ellis. And we are joined by our good pal. Madison. And today we're going to be talking about biblical inerrancy and women in leadership. Y'all ready? Ready. Let's do it. Welcome to the After Chat. Real questions. Real talk. Real life. All right, so we want to welcome and thank Miss Madison for being here with us today for this conversation. Um, and so we're just going to jump right into it. Yes. What is the best kept secret about where you grew up? Where did everybody grow up? Uh, Chesterfield and then like Powhatan from like 14 up. Here in Virginia? Yes. Okay. Virginia. You? I grew up in Newport News area until I was like eight and then we moved to Powhatan. So really Powhatan. Like from second grade on, I've, I was in Powhatan. So. All right. I'm from Salem, Missouri, by way of a little village in southern Illinois uh, called Mount Auburn. I think the best kept secret about that is that it's even a real place. <laughs> like you're just driving cornfields for as far as the eye can see, a little village full of 400 people, and then you're right back to cornfields. Like it's literally a blink and you miss it type situation so i think the best kept secret is that my town is even real yeah so nice so just because i think any any restaurant in powhatan is not that great of a secret because there's only like 10 but because i had it for lunch osaka it's a sushi place oh yeah yeah yeah. 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 all right all right pretty good I feel like that's, that's a right. that's a relatively yeah. secret, you know, thing people don't always know about. I see people going into New China all the time instead, which I'm not trying to throw any shade, but it's it's not Osaka, bro. Like, it's not a big I mean, shade I, I mean, it was a little bit of a dig. Like I think you could have complimented Osaka's without sliding. It's two different things. It's Chinese food, hibachi. Yeah. Like, okay. 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 No, I, I'm a big fan of Osaka's as well. So that that would be. It's, I mean, it's right there on the end of the little, I mean, we're a little county. We got two food line shopping centers. Yeah. So if you go to what's called the old food line shopping center, it's there on the end. There you go. Great place. It's good. Uh, I think the best kept secret about where I grew up. Oh, man. I'm going to go with our location of where my parents lived from when I was like a teenager on in Powhatan. It's technically Cumberland, mm-hmm. but our address is Powhatan, hmm. which is really nice because we're close to all of the Powhatan stuff, but we pay Cumberland taxes, oh. which is way cheaper. <laughs> so that's that's kind of the that's the best kept secret. So there's there's a, a little gray zone out there in yeah. the in the western part of the county. Yeah, where you get to like you have the convenience, but you pay the country prices. So there you go. It's pretty nice. sweet. There's about to be a rush on real, <laughs> on real estate in Western Powhatan. Cumberland prices are going up. <laughs> Do you have a catchphrase that you say all the time? Now yes. we all we all work together, so we yes. we we are around each other quite a bit. So I have three. Okay. So the first one, you say this anytime something surprising happens. It's yike. Just not the full yikes. It's just yikes. A singular yike. A singular yike. It's it's new. It's it, 
it catches people off guard. It's so edgy. Oh they my gosh. It. They love it. Just think, yeah, it rolls off the top. Texting it is even easier. The second one. That EMS really shave on. I mean, yeah. The, the second one, it's in relation to Yike, but it's slightly different. And I actually stole this one from Elijah, who is our Palatine campus pastor. Um, and it's a yoink. And so you say that whenever you are just quickly grabbing something like I'm going to yoink that like it works. It's fun. And then the third <laughs> one is just you. It's the funnier. The, it's it's funnier. The more out of context you say it. So like uh, suggest something for us to do after we have this podcast. We should go to Osaka after this podcast. In this economy? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's all it is. Those are my three catchphrases. <laughs> so it'd be even funnier if he was like, we should just go sit and do some work. Yeah. Like quietly. It's funnier if it has nothing to do with spending money. Right, right, right. <laughs> just for the record. Three. Goodness I gracious. love that. Thank you. <laughs> So I've I've never like I'll do yikes, but I usually pair it with yikes and gadzooks. Mm. Like I like that, but I definitely like the singular. Yeah. Yike! I think that's a good one. Yeah, you got to switch it up sometimes. Yes, that that's a good one. I'm prone. Like I walk into a room or I see somebody and it's just yo. Like that one, I say like I love it that now that people greet me with it back. Yeah. Like when I came into the building today and I just saw somebody in the hallway and she's like, yo, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's, it's coming back to me. So that would probably be the one that I'm known the most for. Right I like here. that. I can kind of tell what mood you're in based on the, the yo that I get. Yeah. So if it's like a yo, then like you're having a good day. <laughs> but if it's like a yo... You're on your way to something else. You're focused. You're just zipping through. Just gauge like what what my experience has been like during the day. Based, I like yeah. that. Yeah, nice. it's, a, it's good. Very cool. Good barometer. Yeah. Awesome. yeah, I I can think of a couple. I don't know that any of them are like exclusive to me. But first one is bruh. Everybody's bruh yeah. to me. Like like bruh 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 bruh. What's up? All right, so all right, then, but I don't like that my children do that to me now because like <laughs> now it's gone through the middle school and like so like my daughter got in the car the other day she's like sup bro I was like I am not your bro I am your father or I am pop pop or I am dad <laughs> like that <laughs> bro I am not oh my gosh so, <laughs> that's you, awesome you do say it like when you're frustrated though like not in reference to I've people. heard a disgruntled bro bro yeah. <laughs> and then you also say like, are you freaking kidding me? Oh, yeah, there <laughs> you go. that pretty often. That's so. a good one. And then another one that, like, this one I really can't take ownership of because, like, I've just adopted this one from living with my wife. It's, golly! She yeah. says that all the time <laughs> in reaction to basically anything, so... You're yeah. slowly morphing into the same person. Big facts. Which is fun to, it's fun to watch that it happen. <laughs> it's a good process. No, like, when he was referencing on a few episodes ago how, like, he's, he, he wanted to... Like, he was talking about how he liked musicals, but you could tell he was going a little bit too far. Like, he he was like, but Abby, my wife, actually, is the one that got me into it. <laughs> He's liking them, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did say, Hamilton is fire. You okay, did say that one. I'll watch that any day of the week. It's awesome. Mm, it is pretty good. Yeah. I've still not seen it. Oh, man. I know. I know. I, I'm just digging my heels in because everybody says it's awesome. So just my contrarian nature makes me not want to participate in it. That might make that might mean that, like, you're cooler because, like, you're the one that, like, oh, I haven't seen it. 
I don't know if it makes me cooler. I think it just, I don't know. But I, I will take I, it. I, I like, if like, Madison's giving me yeah. a compliment, like. Oh, cool. I'll, I'll dig on that. I'll go with that. Sweet. <laughs> All right. Here's one. If you put together a music playlist to represent your life, what is your top song? Or like if, I like to rephrase that a little bit. Like if you walked into a room, like what would you want your entrance music to be? Like we could go either way. I have a great answer. Okay. But it's mo- it's it is I do listen to the song very frequently. But it's specifically Okay, so you know what hurts the most by I don't even know who the original oh, artist man. is. It's the same Rascal Flats, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. They it's do right. the Life is a Highway yeah. cars okay. specifically the soundtrack. Uh it's that song what hurts the most, but it's by it's like an emo like emo cover of it by this guy I think called Unsafe Unsound and it's like there's like screams in it too and it's really good and just the way that he's like what hurts the most it's it's good it has has a lot of emotions in it it reflects everything that I I feel most of the time so I thought you were going for it I thought you were getting ready to rip that high note so close (laughs) so I, I've mentioned this on previous episodes. I didn't grow up in church, which makes a question like this challenging. And by I didn't grow up in church, I walked into a church for the first time five years ago. But I'm trying to like, I don't know, where, like find the in-between between who I was before and who I am now. So mm. an obvious choice came to the surface. God's Plan by Drake. Easy okay. choice. Okay. Easy choice. Okay. Yes, but also there was one night at students, I lead a student small group, I had to ban them singing that. Yes. We were talking about, like, <laughs> your fu- like your future with God and, like, like being a part of his great plan for your life. And so they would just kind of randomly be like, God's plan. So I have, I have mixed feelings about it, but I support you liking it. The after chat is not receiving any royalties from Drake. No. Just, we're not endorsing the song. <laughs> No. Just none of just the put songs. it all on the table. All right. Just none of the songs we we Passion Community Church does not support or affirm any of the lyrics in any of these songs that we're referencing here. What he said. Well, mine is clean, so it's okay. Oh. It's Rascal Flats. True. So. But it's an emo version of Rascal Flats. Look, Dave, David <laughs> cried in the wherever he was crying there's, all there's the time. There's David screaming. probably we can't screams too. You think some of the psalms weren't just him being like, "I love my men. God, my God, <laughs> strike them down." It's important to feel your feelings. It so. is important to feel your feelings. No, we're just we're just having fun. Mine would probably be I love the opening guitar riff of "When the Levee Breaks" by Led Zeppelin. Oh, and so like I think if I was to have like an entrance music, like if I was a wrestler on WWE or, I mean. I, if I was to make it, if I was to ever become a professional baseball player in my mid forties, which I know is <laughs> not going, <laughs> or if they just took mercy on me and let me have one professional at bat where I would strike out, I would like to walk up <laughs> to. <laughs> Sorry, I just processed what you said. Like. <laughs> I know my limits. I would not hit the ball. <laughs> not even close. But I would like to walk up to win the levee breaks by Led Zeppelin. Mm, I nice. think that's just a super dope opening guitar. And mm. that's where I would, yeah, that would be mine. We'd like to know your, your, uh, yours in the comments, so leave them uh, in there. They uh, better not be explicit. Just kidding. 
got very serious <laughs> real fast. That was student leader Madison right there. Did y'all see that? <laughs> no more Drake. <laughs> All right, so since we're going to be talking about women in leadership and, and biblical inerrancy, we got, I thought this would be a good question to get us uh, rolling with. Are there female, female role models or mentors who have influenced your leadership journey within the church? Just open to the table. For sure. I'm going to go with Angie Frame, who's one of our pastors here. I think y'all have heard from her on a clip, a message clip before. Uh, uh, and a Abel? couple of times, yeah. That was a throwback in the vaults, Angie Frame. Yeah. So she's just been like a great mentor and role model to me since I've been here. Um, when I when I first started speaking on the platform for students first, but then for Sunday morning as well, um, we have a lot of voices who they're like the loud and boisterous type. And that's not me, but I felt like that needed to be me if I was going to do that well. And so Angie was a great example of like, no, you don't have to be that. Cause she's very kind of methodical. Um, so I've learned a lot from her in that aspect um, among many others. So hmm. um, mine would definitely be Beth Stoddard, who hmm. is, she's been, she's been like a, a staple part of leadership in PCC for a very long time. And she, she just knows so much, and she's so smart. But specifically, she's really helped me um, kind of reframe how I interact with people one-on-one as far mm-hmm. as when I can tell somebody has something really heavy that they're processing, I kind of lean more into asking questions and, and listening instead of just jumping straight to trying to offer whatever advice I may or may not have. Yeah. And um, I've gone to her a bunch of times when I'm in like in the middle of a freak out spiral and just the the calm, the calmness that she carries around with her all the time and how that kind of s- seeps its way into me when I'm, I'm feeling anxious or I'm wrapped up in something. It's made me realize that I want to be more like that. So No, I, w- I was going to say Beth as well. She's been somebody that, I've I've gone through multi, I've gone through multiple different uh, seasons where I've sought out her and just we've met once a week and she's just mentored me and helped me and um, just coached me in the type of pastor that I want to be, be for all the reasons that you just mm-hmm. described like someone that can just she listens so well yeah. and just allows you to to work through what you're processing and the emotions that you're feeling with 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 each thing. Uh, she's just been a tremendous, uh, terrific coach for me in that way. Yeah, she's awesome. So uh, let's dig into the uh, then biblical inerrancy and some of the history that goes with it. So whenever I first learned the term inerrancy, I mean, it basically just means without error. Mm-hmm. So if someone was, someone would come to me and say, well, is the Bible true? I'd say yes. That's not necessarily what what it means in the context mm. of the SBC and the church writ large. And that was a big shock for me uh, because like it's not like it's it's a very literalistic approach to Scripture. And one of the things where this this uh, doctrine of the biblical inerrancy first got adopted by the SBC, like the fight goes back all the way to the early 70s, whenever there was a publishing company that the SBC was working with. And a group of SBC people, they was going to produce a series of commentaries. And there was a big, big fight about the Genesis chapters 1 through 11, where they was leaving some wiggle room about, Mm -hmm. was it a literal six days? Was everything literalistic in that? Or was it more of a metaphor? And instead of just kind of saying, well, we don't really know, 
that was like a hard no and a massive beef. And so they ended up fighting with that with that publishing company. They had those people go back and rewrite it. And so that was like kind of the beginnings of that conflict within the Baptist church. And mm-hmm. then fast forward to 1979, there's another big fight about it. The, a group of people got together in Chicago. They issued the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy. And they said, yes, everything is without uh, everything is without error. And then there's like 30 bullet points, like mm-hmm. where they go in to define exactly what inerrancy meant. And that and that Genesis thing was like such a sticking point where they even brought that back in Article 22. We affirm that Genesis 1 through 11 is factual, as is the rest of the book. We deny that the teachings of Genesis 1 through 11 are mythical and that scientific hypotheses about earth history or the origin of humanity may be invoked to overthrow what scripture teaches about creation. Hmm. So, I mean, it has a kind of a little bit of an anti-science kind of vibe to it. But, I mean, we had this conversation with young earth versus old earth. I mean, it just speaks to the fact, like the Bible's not a science book. It just speaks to the fact that there is, in fact, a creator um, and that he's the one that made it. So that's kind of where that comes from. And an excellent book for a reference for this would be Not a Silent People. Uh, controversies and things that shaped the Baptist church. It's it's not very big, but it's an awesome book that really outlines all of the main uh, issues that have shaped where the Baptist church was and then how it kind of got to where it is today. Yeah. So not to backtrack, but maybe mm-hmm. for the person who doesn't know, briefly explain what is the SBC and what do they do? That's the Southern Baptist Conference. Mm-hmm. It's It's... The kind of where all of the independent uh, independent Baptist churches kind of come together and like share resources and things like that. And they, they have this fellowship recently, Saddleback Church, mm-hmm. which is the largest church uh, or was the largest church in the SBC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of like a brief history of what inerrancy kind of how that kind of became like an argument and controversy in the Baptist church. And now we're starting to see it kind of show up when it talks about women in leadership and a very literalistic approach to some of the verses that we're going to look at here in a little bit. Uh, So, yeah, as you were saying, kind of like where this intersects with what we do, uh, kind of the work of the church is what it means to be a leader and a pastor in a modern context. And often when that conversation is being had, we go right back to what it says in Scripture, kind of the qualifications Mm -hmm. for for what that is. So uh, two really well-known ones are in Titus 1. Uh, This is starting in verse 5. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders or leaders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer or leader manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refuse or refute those who oppose it. So... The other one is uh, in first. Can, yeah, go there's ahead. One, there's one thing. Uh, what was it? What did it say about the children right there? Uh, that not to be. Who's a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. <laughs> man, that's a that's a that's a tall that's a high <laughs> bar right there. <laughs> <It is. laughs> 
<laughs> like like consistently over time, or is like a one day and you're done like right. kind of deal. I mean, it just kind of harkens back to whenever we whenever we talked about Samuel mm-hmm. and like one of the things like his kids were wild, rambunctious, and were shaking people down whenever they was coming to offer up their offerings and things. And then like people rebelled and was like, "Well, we don't want like this system anymore. Like we can't trust you." We, we trust you, but your kids are crazy to come up after you, so we want a king. <laughs> right. Um, so that little little callback there, I think. Yeah. So the other one that's often referenced in this conversation is in First Timothy, First Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 7. This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be an elder, he deserves an honorable position. So an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control live wisely and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home and he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. There it is again. (laughs) For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? An elder must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. So even in those, I mean, the obvious thread in both of those is he, a man, faithful to his wife, uh, his children, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. well, I mean, we also saw Paul reference where there was uh, deacons and elders that were female too, like Priscilla mm-hmm. and, and, some other, and some other places there. But I think... The threat, like what, like yes, the gender thread was there, but I think another one was just of good reputation. Yeah, yeah. Like just not. I mean, if you got the reputation as a jerk out in the street, you probably shouldn't be <laughs> in the church saying, you know, leading people, or maybe just not yet. Maybe you'll get there, but I don't know. I kind of see that as like the common thread through there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think people take this literally, like he. Everything about this is he talking about yes. a man. Like so. Men must be the only people who qualify for these roles or roles like them in our modern context. Hmm. Whenever you read those, like, does, like how, do, how do you approach Scripture whenever you see things like that? Well, I think specifically for both of these sections, what I am reading from it is just we, I guess the, the, the ruler that you would want to measure yourself with if you were in leadership or if you were advising other people who want to be in leadership about the balance that the rest of their life needs to hold and kind of like the benchmark of of uh, of wisdom and good choices that they should be making um, kind of holistically and not just that they can stand in front of people and, and speak well. Yeah. No, like I would just say I like if I was to paraphrase it, I'd be like a squared away person. Yeah. <laughs> like that is just kind of how how I would look at it. But you start to see where where if you take a literalistic reading of those things, like you're just, then that would be what you would say. Like, all right, well, it has to be a man mm-hmm. right there. Like regardless of what their spiritual gifts are, regardless of the reputation, regardless of the talents or even the calling that God put on their heart, like you would just disqualify, just disqualify women. And that's yeah. kind of where, you know, in First in Timothy it says, you know, I, I would not suffer a woman to have uh authority over a man or something like that you know that that's a personal letter like ad- addressed uh, where paul was addressing issues it seemed like it was like one part of a back and forth between them mm-hmm. um if you're just looking at the context of what it was put in 
we don't really know what the full issues were. We did see what Paul wrote to the Ephesians, like themselves, yeah. and there was outlines for, you know, like people that would be in authority. But when taken all together with the rest of what Paul's writing was, what or all the, to the, if we could take together the rest of what Paul wrote, um, like we can surmise that he favored men and women learning together, which was pretty radical for his time that men and women each had direct access to God through Jesus, which was, again, pretty radical for its time. And I think some of the, there's some compelling verses where he references women prophesying and praying in public in a very casual way in in 1 Corinthians 11. And as if it's like something that was the norm, like women, like the women were out there prophesying and and, uh, praying. And to give prophecy just means to give an inspired message by God. Hmm. So these were these were women that were publicly to men and women, like giving an inspired message uh, from God. And at Pentecost, whenever uh, the Holy Spirit entered the world in Acts, and you can read about that in Acts two, uh, then uh, uh, Acts two fourteen through twenty one, then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his because. Judas was now gone, so um, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, so this is Jews and non-Jews, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk. I should have backed up a little, a little bit. So, um, so they're, they're in, yes, they're in a locked room, and the Holy Spirit whooshes in. They got you find little artistic uh, description uh, interpretations of it. They've got little flames on their head, and they're out there, and they're now talking all the languages of everybody in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. They're not drunk, <laughs> <laughs> as you suppose, which means that somebody was running around saying they're just drunk, y'all. And he's saying, no, they're not drunk, as you suppose. It's only it's only nine a.m. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much more humor in the Bible than I think <laughs> yeah, people really yes. give it credit for. <laughs> it's only 9 a.m., y'all. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And you can read about that in, uh, I think it's Joel 2. But we'll have we'll have Sarah, if I'm wrong, we'll have Sarah put up what it actually is uh, below. <laughs> That's why we have Sarah. Yes. She's great. She's great. <laughs> in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hmm. So, I mean, he's saying, and like these are what they and they considered like now we're in the last days yeah. like from then until now we're in the last days so of course men and women will have the gifts of prophesying and giving inspired messages of God to the people mm-hmm. um so i don't think i don't think that 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 we should disqualify people and i think people that take that can come to it from like a literalistic approach, but I just happen to disagree with them on that. And mm-hmm. I think we can, I think it should be accepted that women should be able to have all leadership positions as well as teach. Yeah. 
I think it's interesting that when when I hear people talk about the conversation surrounding women in leadership and what the Bible says about it, most of the time what I end up hearing are examples from the first Timothy scripture that you shared in the first Corinthians 14 scripture mm-hmm. about uh, it's like against women um, with the specific language that's being used in those contexts. But also how often do you hear somebody point out the the Titus scripture or the the other first Timothy scripture that you were talking about with the the, the measuring stick for leadership. How often are we actually referencing what does the Bible say a good leader should look like mm-hmm. instead of just women should be silent? Mm. Yes. Yeah. So just interesting to me. Yes. That was what I was processing as you were talking. <laughs> mm. So, and that's kind of the, the position that our church ended up taking was you know, we affirm the rights of women. We believe that they they all have, they, the Holy Spirit distributes gifts and talents regardless of, of race and gender. And so we want to help, we want to help people grow in the talents and gifts that God gave them. That's the, that's the whole role of the pastor is to train and equip the saints for their roles of ministry, regardless of what that ministry happens to look like. Like that's the role that we have as pastors in the church. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Yeah. And there's there's so many there's so many different examples in the Bible of women in different leadership roles because not uh, not just um, like speaking in front of people how we would traditionally assume a church service flow would be mm-hmm. for those of us who might go to church regularly it often looks like you have somebody leading worship at the beginning portion and then you have a message and the message is typically teaching something about um, what the Bible says, but that's not the only leadership role that there is. Mm-hmm. There's um, there's lots of different portions of the Bible that talk about women filling different types of roles. And so I'm not an expert by any means, um, and but I found a really great article that kind of listed different examples of women in different leadership roles. And also there's going to be some pronunciations of names that I'm going to just absolutely butcher. <laughs> so, Sarah, if you could just, like, do a voiceover for me every time I say something wrong, <laughs> that would be great. Because um, I am not – I'm still learning. We could maybe have Sarah Quick put them underneath us phonetically. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That could be fun. Yes. <laughs> Hooked on phonics with the after chat. Somebody nice. teach Madison how to read. <laughs> uh, so this article that I'm I'm referencing is it's super interesting, and I'm gonna kind of just touch on some of it. Mm-hmm. But I would highly recommend anybody reading it just because it's it's got a lot of information. So um, at the beginning, they kind of talk about examples of women leadership in the New Testament and how um, Paul he kind of lists different um, different kind of ministers. Um, so this is coming from Ephesians 4:11, and um, it says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. His purpose was to equip God's people for the work of serving and building up the body of Christ. So he, the this the mm-hmm. um, author of this article is kind of using that as the gauge of the different types of leadership that he wants to show examples of women. Um, filling those roles. So the first one up is um, apostles. So this article kind of defines what what an apostle is. Um, but specifically, he's talking about there is um, there is somebody there's somebody listed. 
Um, so this is the first name I'm going to butcher, um, Andronicus and Junia. Um, so that is a, a couple who um, they people are theorizing that they may have been husband and wife. Um, and oftentimes, oftentimes the the um, the person Junia has been referenced as a male. But as this article shares, um, that it is the feminine name Junia was not it was not uncommon at the time, whereas the masculine name Junius is like completely unheard of. Mm. So I think it's people maybe making the assumption based on a name that they don't know whether it's referencing uh, a male or a female. Mm. But um, this couple, Adronicus and Junia, had suffered persecution because of their faith and at some point had been fellow prisoners with Paul. Paul also states mm. that Adronicus and Junia were outstanding among the apostles. Which, like, that coming from Paul is, like, if Paul ever said that about me, I'd, I'd probably, like, blush. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and then it, it goes on to say, um, uh, blah, blah, blah. After him, others also believe. So there, it's talking about, I'm skipping around, mm-hmm. sorry. No, it's good. Um, it's talking about why they believe that Junia is a uh, is a female name and why they may have been a married couple, and um, it's despite the fact that. Sorry, I'm losing my. I can't, literally can't read. Um, it's basically saying that throughout throughout the early church, this like kind of misconception was made that Junia was a male, and then how it kind of kind of was passed down amongst early church fathers mm. for actual better descriptions read the article because <laughs> i'm not going to give that to you <laughs> um uh so the next type of leadership that this article lists is women as prophets and the example that it shares is um philip's four daughters they mm-hmm. were not mentioned that often in the new testament but it's kind of sharing how and i'm looking down um at the paragraph at the at the bottom of the of this portion of the article um it's talking about how they're mentioned several times in other early church writings which um we're talking about inerrancy in the bible but also we're talking about the examples of the early church and we can turn to more than just the bible for examples of the history of the early church so his his four daughters were examples listed as prophets and they were highly respected leaders in the early church, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, I didn't even, I'll be honest, I didn't even really know that Philip had daughters. Um, if I read that in anything, I just skimmed right over it, but kind of digging more into that legacy of, mm-hmm. of clearly Philip raised his daughters to really have a lot of reverence and to kind of engage in their spiritual gift that they were given and that being passed down in the early church history is just really interesting to me um the 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 next portion is women as evangelists and this is like the really difficult names i don't can you take a crack at that oh boy can you i have no i just pulled it up so this Uh, yudia and oh yeah i'm in the right spot syntyche syntyche Two yeah. people. That's uh yes. <laughs> Synthice? Synthike? Synth I feel like we're close. We've gotta be. They were so cool. They were <laughs> they were 
amazing women. <laughs> they were queens. <laughs> queens of their time. Um, so they were, it's basically... Ephesians 4.11 yes, is where you can look it up. They, were, it up. they were involved in, in gospel work, which again, those are like, if I'm sitting down and I'm reading the Bible and I'm like, great. Bible time. I'm going to skip right over those names and I'm not even going to stop and and look closer into are they are they defining these people um, specifically as men or as women? I'm just going to see a name that I can't pronounce and not dig any deeper, which is why stuff like this is really interesting to me. Um, And I am learning some ways that I should kind of engage with Bible study some more. I think something to notice, though, or take note of, though, is like. You know, we just kind of talked about uh, a few minutes ago, like, what does a prophet do? A prophet prophesies. It gives an, they give an inspired message from God. Mm. Like, they're teaching somebody about God, whether that be a man or a woman. And mm-hmm. that's, that's what, you know, whenever you see examples as women as prophets, like, that's what they're doing. And yeah. then as an evangelist, what does an evangelist do? An evangelist goes and gives people good news. They sit down and they have a conversation and they evangelize. Like they tell somebody the truth about who Jesus is. That you're teaching them something. Yeah. So I think it's just important to to really suss out what they're actually doing there. Mm. They're, they're either giving an inspired message by God to a large group of people mm. or an evangelist. Like that's, you think... You think of that as more of like a door-to-door type deal. Yeah. Have you heard the good news? You know, (laughs) but like, I mean, it can take a lot. It can take a radically different approach, but like where you just strike strike up a conversation with somebody that you have a relationship with, and then you find yourself telling them about who Jesus is or, or teaching them something about the Bible, but that, but you are teaching them something. Mm. And so, I mean, that's what we're talking about here. And we're seeing examples of that played out real life right here, women doing it. Yeah, which is cool. I had some evangelists knock on my door a couple weeks ago. And uh, I told them, hey, guys, I'm on staff at a church. And they did not care. And they just (laughs) proceeded with exactly what they were doing. They were going to do their thing regardless of what I said. They rehearsed and prepped. I kind of admire that. I know. Yeah, like the persistence, you know, is good. No, I mean, at that point, at that point, you let them do their thing. Yes. And then if you've got any pointers or tips. (laughs) Hey, some feedback. (laughs) Like, listen, Jimmy, you did a great job. But I've got a little feedback if you're open to it. (laughs) Uh, so, um, <laughs> uh, the, the thing that stuck out the most to me in this article, and that's probably the last main portion that I'm going to reference, um, it's talking about, um, and it's referencing Romans 16. And so it's talking about Phoebe, which I have heard, I've heard that name a lot before, but I never really, I didn't often like dig into, um, what did Phoebe do? Um, so this is a this is a quote from the author Kevin Giles, and it's talking about um, how Paul described Phoebe as both uh, diaconos. Sorry. Yeah. Looks. So yeah. Yeah. Guess so it's as good two, as mine. <laughs> two words: diaconos and pros, prostatus. Pro, prostatus. Prostatus. There's another T in there. Yep. Yeah. 
Sorry. Sometimes <laughs> reading the Bible is hard, <laughs> um, but it's always worth it. Um, the meaning of the last term has been much debated. In either its masculine or feminine form, it means literally one who stands before. This meaning is never lost, whether it has been translated leader, president, protector, or patron. Its verbal form is pro, prostani, prostani. Uh, it's a term used of male church leaders elsewhere in the New Testament. So it's basically pointing to, hey, Paul is literally calling Phoebe mm. the same term that he uses to reference other male leaders mm. in the early church. Huh? Um, and that, to me, is kind of un- unpacking everything that, that Paul said about women and what he actually meant mm. and all of that. It's It's really interesting to me, but the the times and we will talk about this uh as we continue the conversation but growing up in a situation where um i wasn't surrounded by a whole lot of of women leadership and then getting to see examples laid out in the bible of women filling these roles it kind of helps me um engage in that conversation of well this this topic about women in leadership is often surrounded by these two specific scriptures that talk about women being quiet or women not being trusted in leadership but the the same person who said that is now referencing this woman in leadership yes. in another area so maybe we could we could view some of, of some of what he says through context and through what is what is surrounding this one specific church that he's writing to or this one specific person that he's writing mm-hmm. to when he writes to Timothy. Um, it's just, it's interesting to me. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's why it's so important to take that holistic approach and not just yeah. cherry pick one thing and then say, that's it, no other discussion. Because then you have to look, you have to look at everything as a totality and like mm-hmm. what's being said, who's it being said to, and look at it through the, you know, the cultural and historical context of, and what was actually going on in those places that he was addressing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, on that, last closing thoughts before we shift gears into a more of a Q&A type yep. thing. Any other thoughts, on, final thoughts on this section before we shift gears? The only thing I would say is that I I really recommend this article because it, it goes on to list. There's, there's names that I skipped over, and then it continues to even list some more about women as pastors and as teachers. And this is just talking about the, the New Testament. Like, it's not even referencing the leadership that mm-hmm. was involved in the Old Testament. So if you are if you are someone who is interested in learning about women in the Bible and why our our church does um, affirm women in leadership, it's a great article to check out. And the last thing I would say is uh, I read I some of the stuff that I referenced, um, especially about uh, about uh, the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy you can find an awesome book. It's called What Paul Really Taught About Women. Mm-hmm. And it's a fantastic read. And we'll put the link to, Am- to Amazon for both that book and Not a Silent People. Because it gives a full outline of, like, the the Greek thought that was brought in whenever... Uh, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Who called... He went... He was from Greek, Macedonia... Alexander the Great. Oh yeah, yeah. Came okay. through. Yes. <laughs> Whenever he. <laughs> I did not know where you were. <laughs> Whenever uh, I just had a just a brain freeze on what his name was. But when Alexander Alexander the Great came through, and kind of brought Greek Hellenism uh, into that area, and how that kind of changed some of the thought and the way that the ancient Jews uh, interpreted started interpreting Scripture in that time, which is what made a lot of the things that Paul said like such groundbreaking things. Like, nope, we're teaching men and women the same. Mm. 
Like that just blew everybody's mind right there. Yeah. So I mean, it, it it's just a great read that is it's well worth the time. It's kind of a dry read, but it's it's very much worthwhile. Hmm. Um, so before go. we get into the kind of the Q and A, I'm just curious. We're gonna hear Madison's background and kind of her perspective, but Michael, for you, I know for me when I came to church here for the first time, I was like, oh cool, there's women in leadership. And did not think twice about it from that day Same. forward. So, and and this is my only church experience. So, to to even realize that this was a thing was like, there are churches where yes. it's not like this. Like, this no, is crazy. <laughs> that was that was a surprising thing for me as well because I didn't grow up in church. Yeah. Like this was, I mean, I went to a couple vacation Bible schools <laughs> whenever I was. I don't know, like seven. <laughs> um, so like that was my real only experience uh, in church. And so whenever I came here, it just, I took it like as a given, like yeah. this is what, this is how church is. I'd never read the Bible before. I hadn't had any conversations with anybody. And so I just took it like, well, this is how it is until I came on staff and I was in some places where I had some people like, having some real issues with our church because of it. And like, I got on the phone with uh, our senior pastor and Beth. And I was like, I'm fielding all of these questions that I have no idea how to answer because (laughs) I've never, I never imagined that I would be confronted with it in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have no negative. I don't have that negative experience that a lot of people have had that I know that you've uh, had. So we would, I mean, can you tell us about what that was like growing up in a place and attending churches where um, it was frowned upon and, and outwardly discouraged to have women in leadership and what that transition was like when you came to a church that does affirm mm. women in leadership? Well, there are definitely lots and lots of churches that um, don't don't love the idea of women being in leadership roles. And so I grew up, I've grown up in church Um, specifically, I grew up in a church that was not, um, on board with that. And I also grew up homeschooled and the homeschooling curriculum that my mom chose, she, um, she leaned more on the quality education over the matching her theological beliefs type Mm. of a thing, because it's a Christian homeschool curriculum. And that one was heavily rooted in a lot of very, very like Southern traditional Baptist, um, which was somewhat even stronger um, as far as how they um, told women who who and what they should be. Um, So that combined with the church that I grew up in, uh, I just, I kind of didn't ever question it. I kind of assumed that, um, that just women, there wasn't, there wasn't a space where women could be um, in that pastoral role. I kind of assumed that pretty much everyone thought the same thing and as I grew up I I learned more about um, other mindsets but um, it was it was really it was interesting it was more interesting to unpack like come into this realization that I could because I knew I knew that I was called to ministry of some sort Um, and I have always been super solid on that, even when I went through phases where maybe my lifestyle didn't necessarily line up with that. Um, but I always knew that I, I wanted to end up working for a church. But I kind of just assumed I was going to be a pastor's wife, mm. which is kind of icky to think about now <laughs> that I just like my I was like my calling is 
to be married, <laughs> which <laughs> like that is still that I like being a pastor's wife is intense. Like mm. it takes a special gifted woman to be able to like love and connect with someone who is um, living as a pastor, which I don't know if maybe if you have any insight to that, that you could chime in on. Um, I'm sure Abby, like, I'm sure there's some moments where it's difficult. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, it's, it's, there have been times where it's tough for her to think that people only see, they only see me when Mm. they look at her. Like I'm Mm. like, she's the accessory to me, not Mm. her own person who has her own path and her own gifts and, uh, her own things to pursue. Yeah, yeah, it's no, it's tough, and we. There are plenty of times where, where she just she just needs to vent about it, yep. and you know, rightfully so. And so I I try to give her the space as best I can to get that stuff out. Yeah, so. I I only saw the for a very long time. I only saw the perspective of that it's it's a unique challenge to be married to a pastor, and I saw that as a unique calling. And here I am, many years later. Um, filling a leadership role myself. I'm not married yet. Hey. I am engaged. Oh, there we go. Um, but I like, I just, I spent so many years just, just thinking that I was waiting around and I wasn't taking the time to invest in myself as if I was called to this area of, of ministry and leadership. I just thought I had to work on my patience or like my ability to, be flexible and like mm. all of the things that you would expect from someone who is um, who is married to someone who has unique job challenges and I, I wasted so much time mm. um, and, and I could have been kind of investing in myself and what I knew God was calling me to do um, so it's it's sad um, but it has been really fun to come out on the other side of that which was um, the first time that I, I attended PCC uh, I was a teenager, and um, at the time, Angie Frame, who is now our, our senior campus pastor, she was the student student pastor at the time, and um, I, like, walked in, and I was like, whoa, it's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And um, and why, like, we didn't stay here permanently at, the, at this church. We, um, we ended up moving further away than we thought we would at the time when I was a teenager. So I switched to, I switched going to a different church. But the time frame that I was here for, I remembered kind of, without even realizing it, sort of unpacking the fact that PCC has a female youth pastor. And like how how interesting that was for me. So it's uh it's been cool to see all of the representation that we have here for women filling different types of roles. So what did it look like for you whenever you started realizing the the gifts and talents that you had and, and did you start developing those here inside this church or did they begin elsewhere and then you kind of moved here as a result? Um, it really it ended up developing elsewhere. So I had a, a good portion of time <clears throat> while I attended PCC as a student that I was in, in a in a really great small group. But it was it was still not the main church that I was attending on Sunday mornings. And um, when we did finally end up, we kind of my family had to wrestle with the concept of this church is further away from us than we thought it was mm-hmm. going to be. So we were looking for something like that was closer in location. We ended up going to um, a smaller church that I, I got to spend some time developing my skills as a worship leader. And that was kind of the next box that I put myself in was, okay, 
women women can be involved, but they can only do certain things. <laughs> um, so I kind of put myself in this role of I'm a worship leader, and um, it was also just something that I, I love to do. I love to worship. I love to sing. I love to play instruments. Um, that that time frame that I got to spend there, it was really scary because I it because it was such a small church. I kind of got the opportunity to try out a lot of different things mm. and kind of got um, to experience what it's like to be sort of thrown in the deep end as a leader in a good way. Like I, I learned a lot of really cool things, um, but I didn't I didn't unpack fully that my calling from God was unique to me and not to who I partnered myself with, because I was still thinking through the lens of. You know, you spend so many years growing up thinking, I'm supposed to be a pastor's wife. You're going to spend some time thinking, okay, I'm still going to be a pastor's wife, but now I can lead worship. <laughs> now I'm allowed to. So, um, Or be the children's pastor. But, yes. <laughs> you can teach to the children. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all. So um, it was, it's kind of like a, a unique time frame that I had where I was, I was kind of growing up. I was, I was uh, an adult at that point starting to lead worship and then at that point kind of my life just fell apart and I stopped I stopped um pursuing that calling so that was the other side of that story is when I landed at PCC Mm. so I hadn't thought about what that would be like to just think not realize that or not to not have it fully realize that God has a unique specific calling like Mm. for you like not just as a role or like that term you use like an accessory to somebody else Mm. but no, like God's got a unique set of gifts and talents that he gave just to Madison to go out and use to glorify him like writ large in a, in, in a big, big way. But just to not realize that and just think my gift is to be a supporting cast member for somebody else. Yeah. Like I hadn't considered like what that would, what that would be like or how that would look like to finally have that part, yeah. something that's so ingrained in you finally shattered after such a long amount of time. Yeah, and I don't think I ever necessarily, like, had some defining moment where this was the point where that, that shattered for me. I think I just, I grew I grew up out of a lot of what I had kind of gleaned, 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 gleaned through the years <laughs> of uh, the emphasis that I was taught to place on this future marriage of, mm. like, I don't. I know that y'all didn't grow up in church, but I promise this is not a unique situation to me. Um, I grew up being like being encouraged to write, um, like have a journal just for my future spouse where like I would write to them. And this was like me at like 12, like writing like dear future husband. Um, Really? Yes. And there like there there's a lot of like there's there's so much emphasis especially the time frame that I grew up in church, there was so much, so much emphasis placed on purity and purity culture and what that mm-hmm. meant, which is a whole nother conversation. But that emphasis kind of by design taught me to be more focused on this future marriage and this person that God had for me than I really should have been putting that much mental effort into thinking about because I never, I never stopped to engage with myself as someone unique and whole to God. And, and I just, I spent so much time thinking about what the future would bring in the form of someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of it is kind of self 
put putting myself in a box. Um, but it was what I I picked up on. Um, yeah, I mean, from if that's what I grew what, up in. If that's what you're being taught all around, that's in, I mean, it's only natural for you to be like, okay, well, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So, yeah. I mean, you're already putting me there. So, how can I get myself more in that box? Yep. So, how did you end up in a position of leadership here? Connect the dots for us. That's Stoddard. <laughs> <laughs> so, I I've spoke I've kind of spoke about this briefly in the um, the last season of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, I was ta- kind of talking about how. Um, I had just spent so much time wasting myself on my relationship and it was an unhealthy, it was an unhealthy relationship. Um, and I don't want to just sit here and trash talk the Mm -hmm. relationship, but what it, the spiral of it and the ending of it kind of left me in this point where I was like, Oh wait, I exist me. Mm. (laughs) I, I am a person. And, um, I spent some time, kind of dipping my toes back into singing and playing music. And I had posted something on my Instagram story of me singing a worship song that I loved. And um, Beth saw it and she was like, hey, we're looking for some more people to serve here. And at the time I wasn't able to, um, I wasn't able to serve here at the Palatine campus because of when our rehearsal was. So I was able to go serve at another campus. And um, that dynamic was super unique and super good for me because it was a lot of it was it's a it's a smaller campus musically a lot of weeks it was just me and um at the time becca who was the the worship coordinator at that campus we were super close and seeing another young woman we were the same age seeing her kind of take on these um highs and lows of what it means to be a woman in leadership from such a uniquely close place um, in her life. It kind of helped me learn as she was learning, even though I wasn't directly in those situations. So I I was leading worship with her there for quite a while. It transitioned into an internship, um, and I had my hands in music and in tech at the time for um, our students' which we're meeting here at Sunday nights and that involved you and you trying to create this uh this unique situation for students to be able to come in and have a like a big room church experience that was designed just for them so we got to like pick out the cool graphics behind the worship songs and like use the the neon lights and like I was just pumping the haze in the room like we're gonna make it fun and cool for them and along the way I had no idea what I was doing at all but I was learning little little bits and pieces of tech and it kind of resulted in us having an, an open spot at this campus we needed to have it filled with a tech coordinator and um I got the job. I still don't know why they gave it to me, but that is still the the role that I have now. So that's my, that's my story. So you mentioned seeing some of those challenges of being a woman in leadership before Mm. you were in the spot. Mm. What kinds of challenges have you run into since you've been in the spot? And what does that look like? I have to recognize the fact that it's a unique situation here because I'm not fighting an uphill battle. Mm. Like we, our culture is supportive of women in the roles that they, they fill. And like, I remember I had a conversation with Brian Pope, who was the campus pastor here at the time, um, where he apparently had my name written down on a list. And he was like, I want her as part of my campus team. And I, he didn't know what the role was going to be, but he, he wanted me. And so I've always been, my entire history here, I've been championed, 
Yes. Yes. I can't talk. Um, I've been like encouraged and supported and um, I get to work with the director who is um, our tech director who oversees all of our campuses is um, probably, I would say, one of the most outspoken pro-women men that work here like not not saying the other men that work here like y'all are fantastic um he is just extremely supportive <laughs> i don't know i don't know how else he's he's um he's purposefully kind of made himself aware of the the unique challenges that i have because not only is it less likely for women to be in leadership as a church in the church but it's also way 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 more male dominated in the tech spaces um Mm -hmm. like i have never i've never met another woman that does what i do but i have met a lot of men but kind of my own i guess my own comfort is the is the biggest thing that i've learned along the way is how to challenge myself to speak up um even when it feels like i shouldn't because i've had to learn hey a lot of what you learned for you know, 20, I was hired when I was 25. So 25 years worth of experience in church settings were kind of distorted by your own internal mm. narrative. Mm. Um, and pushing myself to call it out when I see it um, has been the biggest lesson that I've learned. And I think a lot of times when I do have to call it out when I see it, it's um, kind of an accidental thing that happens of... Uh, I think I'm trying to not get like too dicey here, but I think it's a unique experience to grow up as a, as a male. And it's a unique experience to grow up as a female. And a lot of times the, the, the communication that women can get from men, they might not realize how it can, um, how it can have some, being really careful here (laughs) how it can have some kind of like anti-women rhetoric built in Mm. just accidentally um and i've never i've never had any interactions with people who have purposefully meant to make me feel small because i'm a woman but i've had a lot of interactions with people who don't realize what they're communicating would make me or any other woman feel small either because of my age or because of my gender because both of those can kind of be in the mix so so how do you go about rectifying or calling that out whenever you see it is it just uh, like i know around here like we call it a last 10 percent where somebody just says hey we need to have a last 10 percent." that means you're we're about to have a difficult conversation <laughs> um can we get some time like is that kind of how you've rectified that in the past so a lot of it has been uh, me going to my pastor, who is also my supervisor, and kind of in a safe space saying, this is what I observed in this situation. Can you help me pick it apart? I have a really hard time processing on my own. So I have to get someone who is uninvolved kind of weigh in mm-hmm. and kind of help me realize, am I being hypersensitive am I is this poking at an insecurity that I need to work on and not necessarily somebody else's fault um or is this something that I need to to talk about and I have been kind of uniquely blessed with two great supervisors who have both been really really good about my my both my age my inexperience and my gender never being part of the equation so um they're trusted sources beth has who i mentioned earlier like Mm -hmm. there have been situations where i've gone to beth and i've 
I've talked about, I've been in this tough situation. Can you help me see um, what's your, what's your wisdom here that I can get from you? And, and then if they tell me, yeah, that was not great of them have the conversation, then I have to be willing to put myself in that, that spot where I have to have the uncomfortable conversation. Um, but I usually, another one of our, our big, um, like our, we have a big emphasis in our church culture on believing the best in people. Yes. So I always, I never go into a situation assuming this person is just sexist. Like they just, <laughs> they're sexist and they suck. Um, I love the accent that comes with that. <laughs> Thank you. In my mind, that's what sexist sound like. Is, they're sexist and yeah, they suck. They suck. Um, but then why oh, am I saying gonna... it in that accent if that's how the sexist sounds? I don't. I have to unpack that. Um, I I always I'm gonna always go into a situation believing the best, and I'm not even gonna let my gender be a part of the conversation because I know what our culture is, and every time I have a situation like that, I am always just kind of dumb, like dumb. Dumbfounded. <laughs> Dumbfounded. Yes, I literally can't imagine what it would be like to not be in that situation. Mm. And I just think of all of the women who are called to be a part of different church bodies that are probably really great churches, but they are maybe still having to interact with people who are on the early part of that journey or disagree with them because it is okay to disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, and how just how lucky I am. Um, to work where I work and to be surrounded by the people that I'm surrounded by. It's pretty cool. So what are some of your hopes and aspirations for the future of women in leadership? And what do you think can be done to help achieve those goals? I, I think I would love to have the conversation not be like the trending topic anymore. Like, especially lately, it's been, um, it's been like the main thing. Like you talk about, you know, I, I mentioned to someone in passing like a couple weeks ago that the, the church that I worked at had Baptist affiliations and they were like, oh, yeah, the SBC, they hate women. You were kicked out, right? Like <laughs> that kind of a thing of like going like it's just immediate, like the conversation of like that you either you shouldn't be in the role that you're in, which I did also just have a, a conversation pretty recently with um, a friend of a friend um, who was the the reason why they this person was okay with me having the job that I have is because I'm in leadership but I'm not um I'm not teaching and I'm not like uh directly giving spiritual advice to people and I just was kind of like yeah but I also serve in students so and like most (laughs) of my student small group is boys so um, I just didn't share that information so um, I would I would love for it to I would love for it to be more of an understood thing of like hey if you do disagree um, you don't have to tell me about it <laughs> like if you like like I, I guess recognizing this situation whether you agree that women should be in leadership or you don't it can be a secondary a secondary issue like I'm not gonna attack you for not believing it I'm not gonna let you attack me for supporting it and we're just focused on Jesus and we're focused on how great God is and how he's gonna continue to be fantastic and our goal is to is to worship him as best as we can and to love other people as best as we can and just not let it be the tension like mm. the not have the tension be a part of the equation um, and I think the thing that I would love 
to see women feeling like helping. I would love to see women fill more roles publicly Mm -hmm. um, in different types of churches um, and basically just have so much representation that people kind of forget that it's a point of tension at all. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. So what kind of support or resources has been useful to you and helpful to you uh, as a woman, as a woman in leadership? Well, the biggest, the biggest support would be the, the women that I'm surrounded by who have um, more experience than me and more wisdom. Um, Being able to see somebody else kind of walk through their own career in ministry Mm. um like seeing knowing that the first time i saw angie she was the student pastor of one campus like at the time our church was only one campus and to see where she has grown now and to see the fact that she she spends so much time like honing her skills um like speaking and um she's always learning and always growing being surrounded by women like that is is a huge huge source of um just encouragement for me when i'm when i'm feeling like i'm not capable looking to other women who Mm. who have had this amazing like god focused and it's just it's cool (laughs) um i think support wise from men i i would say being willing to reflect on yourself and your like your own interactions and how some of those subtle subtle things could be communicated to someone who's had a different life experience Mm. than you is really it's it's helpful like the difference the difference of kind of not cluelessly but like um what would be a word unknowingly yes unknowingly Uh, unknowingly interacting with women is not the support that we need like unknowingly uh not stopping to look at what you're saying and how you're saying it and who you're saying it to Mm -hmm. i would say is probably the biggest the biggest um discourager that i've had to face and the biggest source of um uncomfortable conversations um and being being heard so like being asked what is what is it like when you are facing um a tough situation where you feel like you're not being respected the same um specifically because you're a woman being asked that and then being heard so um like if i had to come to you and say hey this thing that you you just did does not reflect what i know you believe about women in leadership and you actually listening to that and saying oh yeah help me help me learn um or doing the learning yourself um (laughs) of what is it what what is it like to to um still to be a woman and exist in these spaces where we're blessed with a lot of a lot of um freedom and a lot of ability to be uniquely ourselves but um it's not it's not perfect and Mm -hmm. there's a lot a lot of room for improvement um yeah so what would what advice would you give to a a young person a young female aspiring to a leadership position inside the church or just another religious organization in general Mm. i would say 
to um, surround yourself with um, lots of perspectives. So don't don't put yourself in a box like I did, um, but also don't just put yourself in the situation where you're only getting unbridled support. Put yourself around lots of different types of people who you can learn from and um, be quick to ask clarifying questions Mm -hmm. um, if you feel like you're being um, pointed out or attacked in some way. Be willing to stop and say, hey, this is how I'm receiving um, the way that you are are treating me. Is there any truth to this? So if you're not, if you don't have the trust built with somebody to be able to believe the best, be willing to ask if that's actually what they meant. Um, And also just look look into um, resources as far as like women uh, perspectives from a, from a woman. Um, so reading things that are like written uniquely to you as a woman, um, kind of it just it hits it hits the spot in your soul that makes you feel like valued and seen mm. and understood fully. Um, Lisa Turkhurst is one of like my favorite authors where every time I like pick up a book written by her, I'm like, she knows what it's like. (laughs) She understands. And um, it kind of helps me um, feel less crazy whenever I do have to interact with um, someone who believes differently than I do and have some patience for them because I am so full of being heard and understood. Well, Madison, I want to, we are really grateful for your time here today and your willingness to share your perspectives and your unique experience going from a place where uh, women in leadership and taking on those type of roles in the churches was, was outwardly discouraged and to what it looks like now for you. And I know that a lot of people, a lot of females and a lot of men are going to benefit from hearing your story. Cool. And Ellis, any final thoughts? Yeah, I have a couple. I just, I think that, where I land on this is that what I from who I know God to be, He uses anyone and everyone. Mm. I mean, we've True. talked about in previous episodes how God uses the unlikely. Mm. I mean, and He often uses the disqualified. Abraham and Sarah had a baby at 190 years old. <laughs> Moses couldn't speak well, according to him, but led a nation out of slavery. Mm. David was a shepherd boy and became a warrior and a king. So how are we going to draw the line because somebody's a woman? Oh. Oh, I just, you're there just, it was. You're oh. going to have to. <laughs> you're going to have to make the argument because I don't. <laughs> and the other thing is, I think it's important to say, you know, maybe 45 minutes ago would have been better, but we're not trying to roast anybody's church. No, <laughs> yes. no, not um, You know, I I don't know of any church where God comes down through the ceiling and speaks directly to the people. We're all interpreting. We won't know and hear it from God's mouth until we get you know, to the other side of heaven. So we're all interpreting. We all have different interpretations, but we know where our church has landed on this Mm. and we're settled with it. It's a settled issue for us. So, and for me, it's just, you know, in Ephesians, we read that the role of the pastors and the leaders are to train and equip the men, the, the saints for the role of ministry in the church so that the whole body can be unified and brought up. That's everybody. Everybody's got gifts and that's the role of the church is to help them develop them. Not, not, 
boxing people in and saying, well, here's the men, there's your gifts. These are the women's gifts. Like we, and just in the scripture that we saw, we saw females using the full spectrum of gifts Mm -hmm. to train and equip and teach. And so who are we to get in the way of the calling that they put on their heart? And like you said, for our church, this is, this is a settled issue, but we can still fellowship and do kingdom work with people that disagree. Yeah. But, um, for us, it's settled. We're going to train and equip everybody for the unique calling that God put on their heart. Mm. So can I say one more thing? Absolutely. So something that kind of popped up in my head as you were sharing that is, um, as a, as a woman, if you're, if you're watching this and you are a woman and your leadership looks like the way that you parent and the way that you take care of your home. And it's more reflective of what, um, Proverbs 31 kind of idealizes as um, a great mother and and home like caretaker. Um, That's not that's not wrong either. Like that is beautiful. It's just a different situation. So you are your leadership is still valuable and it it doesn't have to look like a career working for a church to champion women as leaders. And every woman that, you know, that is a mother is a leader um and that is it's a it's a hard task and let's celebrate women because they're crushing it absolutely (laughs) all right so leave us a review and if they do if they leave us a review madison and we read it we'll send them one of our awesome after chat mugs so we always share them do i get to keep this one I don't. It's no, okay. It's okay. It's okay. No, you can have that one. But we've only, how many do we have left? I'll leave a re- I'm going to go leave the review now. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll get your mug. I'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, this was a great episode. Madison, thank you yeah. so yeah, much thanks for, for being here today. And we'll see you all next week on The After Chat. Thanks for joining us for The After Chat. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To be the first to hear our next episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and get notifications for new content. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at PCC Wired and Facebook at Passion Community Church. For additional resources and links, check out the description. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on The After Chat.